0: You're listening to the Every Student, Every Day podcast with me, Jim Franchini, Superintendent of the Aval Park Central School District. Welcome to this episode of the Every Student, Every Day podcast. Uh, for those who have been following uh, both what's going on in the district internally and in the news, you know that the uh, this is budget season and that the governor's budget proposal has come out. And... Uh, here in April Park, one of the districts that has been uh, pretty significantly impacted in in a negative way. Uh, We've done some things to try and advocate for ourselves here uh, and trying to get more information, gather some data and get to our uh, elected officials and to folks that we think can help us and support us, and they've been great. We thought what we would do for the community on this episode is bring in two of our kind of local experts. So we have two people joining us today. Um, first, from the district, we have Carrie Nice-Chevier. Carrie's our assistant superintendent for business, and we'll let her uh, introduce herself. And then we have Mike uh, Laus from State Aid Planning. Mike's a senior State Aid Planning Specialist with R Three BOCES, which is our BOCES. So we appreciate the two of them joining us here today. Um, Carrie, do you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, um, like Jim said, I'm Carrie Nychevier. I'm the business uh, person here over at Averill Park. So I oversee the business office as well as the non-instructional side of Averill Park. Um, I've been with Averill Park for about two years. And prior to that, I've worked in a few other districts. So i um, fairly familiar with the state aid process and how this is gonna impact our district.
0: Thank you, Carrie, appreciate you joining us. And
2: Mike? Yes, yeah, so I'm Mike Laws. Um, I'm from the State Aid Planning Service um, here at Questar Three Boseys. Um, and, and I think unlike um, some of the other BOCES services where they're really just kind of for the, the, the regional districts, um, we're a statewide service. So we serve schools throughout all of New York State. Um, pretty much just about every district. Um, and um, we've been around for 50 years. Um, so we've been a you know, longstanding service. And really, you know, as our name would imply, you know, we, we mostly help districts with state aid. Um, that's kind of our bread and butter. Um, but we also help with a number of different school business, financial uh, issues. Um, we help districts navigate those issues and, and plan for the future. Um, so that, that's kind of really what we do. Um, in my, my previous background, I was a school business official, so I have worked in districts. Uh, my colleagues uh, have worked in districts as well, um, as well as the State Education Department. Um, so we've got a lot of different expertise um, and really about all the variety of district uh, things you can see in schools in New York State. And, and I think one of the things that we have to offer because we're so wide is that that we have perspective. Um, you know, a lot of times you're in a district and you say, oh, well, this is how things have always been done. Um, and you may you know just we see circum- really kind of oddball circumstances all over the place uh, just because we're dealing with just about everybody.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Mike. We know uh, for both of you and Carrie, it's a busy time right now. And uh, I think as you pointed out, and I should have said in the introduction, we're very fortunate. Our BOCES, our local BOCES, state aid planning is part of that, but it really is the uh, foremost authority uh, in the state in this area. So we're lucky that they're just coincidentally local to us, but it's really a huge asset and huge resource for the state as a whole. And I know your your office services, literally the entire state of New York, and uh, really are very, very well respected in the work that you do. So, Getting right into it. Earlier earlier this month, uh, the governor released her executive budget. School districts are all, I think, kind of caught off guard and surprised by the school foundation aid projections, You know, based on kind of what we've seen in the past as well as what happened in this projection. Uh, Mike, as you mentioned, you're a former business official. You've been in this role statewide. Can you just talk to our listeners about the wide range of impact that this has had on school districts, as we develop budgets. I guess kind of a higher level overview of what that proposal meant to districts.
2: Yeah, and Jim, you know, it's a good point. You know, you're talking about, um, you know, kind of a surprise that this was to districts. Um, You know, the last several years, we've seen really pretty, pretty significant increases to school aid statewide. Um, Not necessarily every single district, but a lot lot of this relates to um, promises that the state had made in years past and they really kind of got caught up last year. Um, and, and that's really why those, those eight increases were so significant. So going into this year, we were really expecting more modest increases. Um, and you know, some of the things that we look at um, in state planning as we look at um, the New York State Division of Budget, they put out quarterly updates about state finances. And, and we saw both in the first quarter um, and then the second quarter, state finances were improving. Um, so all the things that they put into their state budget you know, the, there were more, uh, more, more revenues coming in um, as far as uh, personal income growth. Uh, there was more, um, you know, we've got the mobile gambling coming online and even the cannabis to a lesser degree, all those things that have come in the last few years. So really the state seems to be doing, uh, you know, pretty well and even better than they had originally planned for. Um, so kind of going into the budget year, you say, well, the state's not really in uh, dire straits, um, so you you would kind of expect that to be reflected in the school aid proposal. Um, so so yeah, we were a little surprised to see that the the governor is actually proposing cuts um, to really about half the districts um, in the state. And so so locally, um, we see a, a majority of our districts in Rensselaer, Columbia, and Greene County um, uh, 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 facing a potential aid cut. Um, you know, so kind of from a statewide perspective. Um, You know, in some cases, we see some of the wealthy Long Island districts or the Westchester districts and you say, you know, you you could could see the, you know, people probably don't have a lot of sympathy for them. Oh, well, they're rich districts. They can pick it up. No big deal. Um, But what we also see are a lot of poor rural districts that are going to get hit by this proposal. Um, And these are districts where they're not running a ton of extra programs. They're kind of running a bare bones budget. Um, And so really what that means is, you know, these districts are, they don't have a lot of capacity in their community to tax the the people, the people aren't, uh, you know, aren't wealthy people. Um, And so for those districts, you know, these impacts um, of this governor's plan, I mean, they would have to cut programs and and we're not even talking about kind of frivolous programs, basic programs. Um, So real high potential impact on kids uh, throughout New York state. Um, and even given that, you know, and it's hard to paint with a, a wide brush saying only, you know, certain districts are being hit. It's really pretty widespread, and it's really about half district, it is half the districts in the state. Um, in one example, uh, uh, Shelley Mayer, a uh, uh, state senator uh, who heads the Education Commission in the New York State Senate, um, one of the districts uh, uh, geographically for her in Westchester County, and, and we say, oh, Westchester's rich. Um, Mount Vernon, which is a very poor urban area, um, that district would have a significant uh, cut uh, according to the governor's plan. Um, so we really see these 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 potential cuts as pretty widespread um, and really uh, potentially very impactful to students.
0: So Mike, that's a great explanation of, of sort of where we are. And I, I really appreciate the perspective too. As you mentioned, I, I think as any district, the, the old saying all oh, politics is local we understand what it's doing here but you really gave some perspective and some uh, more of a breadth of knowledge in terms of what's going on around the state of New York so specifically for us Averill Park has been a hold harmless district uh, for a long time we know that we are hold harmless last year and we are kind of being put in that category again this year can you talk to the listeners about what that term means I think people hear hold harmless save harmless safe harmless, different terms what does it mean in general? And then we're going to go to Carrie, and maybe if you could talk to us about what that has meant for Averill Park, maybe over the last few years, as well as what it means right now. So, Mike.
2: Yeah. So, so Jim, hold harmless and save harmless. It's the same thing, and essentially, it's the basic principle that you're not going to get less aid than you got in the in the in the current year. So, the future year, it, it, it won't be less than what you're getting. Um, and we've seen this historically. Um, you know this specific proposals for foundation aid but we've seen it historically in, in school aid formulas um, for building aid um, for boces aid where it sets a minimum um so it's not like a new concept it's not um you know oh we, it, you know this has been around for a long time in a variety of different forms um and, and really it, it relates to the idea that um the state can't just pull the plug in a given year because you know districts have fixed costs and things that that they've committed to, um, so the idea is it's trying to give some stability. That, you know that's the basic premise of, of hold harmless. Um, and so in the governor's proposal, she's looking to um, to change this hold harmless and actually um, cut uh, cut aid for districts that would be in this position, um, which is you know and, and this is a this is you know it's important to note that in this proposal that's a change to the law. The law says that you won't get less in foundation aid than you're currently getting, um, you know, at the absolute worst. Um, So she's proposing to change the law.
0: great point. And I think something that has kind of uh, been glossed over a little bit, that this change was not only out of nowhere, but actually goes against current law in terms of how these numbers are being developed. So,
1: And I think, you know, when you talked in the entry about how this governor's proposal took districts off guard, traditionally, we have gotten a little something over what we had last year. So then to not only not get an increase, but then to get a reduction, I think that was a a big surprise to many districts across the state.
0: That's a a great point. Thank you. And going right back to you. So, you know, Mike kind of gave us the the higher level view. What does that mean right here? That's fact. Our own students and our own programs.
1: Right. So, you know, like you mentioned, we are a whole harmless district. We were last year. Last year, we got a 3% increase, which do equates to a little, little bit over $530,000. So, but when you look at the district as a whole, we're forty, a little over 40% reliant on state aid. And of that, our foundation is about 28%. So this is a big revenue source for us. So even just that reduction, you know, the whole increase to 3% is about 1% of our budget. So that to put that in perspective, so even 530000 sounds like a big number, but relatively speaking to our budget, it's not a, a big amount. So when you take that into account, so 530000 if we got a 3% again this year, so that's money that we thought maybe perhaps we would get and then you add on the the cut, which is $159,000, you're compounding it. So um, last year, even with that $530,000, we had a $1.3 million budget deficit where we had to make reductions. Um, And going forward, even probably likely with a 3% increase, we'd have some reductions again this year. But particularly if the cut stays at $159,000, we will have reductions. Um, When you look at our tax levy, which is our other big Revenue source, right? We have state aid and we have foundation aid. Those are our main components of how we generate revenue for the district. The one hundred fifty nine thousand dollar cut equates to about a half a percent on our levy. So before we can even add like our you know payroll increases or benefit increases or any kind of programmatic increases, half a percent of our levy is going straight to make up for what the budget the, the governor has proposed in terms of a budget cut. So really, we're you know, with the tax cap and the this reduction in state aid it doesn't make for a, a great budget year so and to think that you know we have to make up for what by law the state has to give us the 159 000 with part of our levy instead of using that towards you know increases or programmatic differences um it makes it it changes what we'll be able to offer next year
0: and i think that's again a huge point right what this budget proposal has done by the governor is essentially shifted more of the burden on the local tax, right? There's New York state law, law says we should get a certain amount of funding. By not doing that, we need either need to reduce programs that by that much more or pass that cost on to our local taxpayer. We p- feel pretty strongly that uh, we are, one of our main jobs here is to be good stewards of our taxpayers' monies. We do not want to pay that on or uh, pass that on and do not plan on doing that. We're not looking to increase the levy more than the allowable amount of the tax cap. So that is out of our desire and our belief strongly that we do not want to pass on the cost to the local taxpayer. So we really need the state to fund the school district as they are supposed to per the regulation. So Carrie, you, you mentioned some numbers too, and just to make sure I think people understand it. If we had, Or if we end up receiving three percent in um, foundation aid, if you take that number and what we were expecting or assuming we'd get maybe plus the amount that we are actually having taken away from us, that hundred and fifty nine thousand, what's that number between what's actually being proposed right now and what we, I would argue, reasonably expected or assumed we'd be getting based on current law.
1: Right, so it's, it's difference about it's almost six hundred ninety thousand dollars is the difference because you take the five thirty plus the one fifty nine. So that's a big shift in a revenue source for us that we were um, hoping to receive again next year. Right, and again, yeah. then we'd have to make that up with either, um, like you said, we don't uh, have the appetite for going above the tax uh, cap, so we wouldn't increase our levy by that amount to make up for what the state isn't giving us. So you know, what that would result in is uh, has to be reductions from the budget.
0: Great. Thank you for for clarifying that, Mike, uh, going back to you. So few people understand the formula that creates foundation aid. I think people here are hearing foundation aid and a formula. And then I think people even in the education world have a hard time understanding or explaining what exactly, quote, the formula is and what goes into that. Can you talk to us a little bit about about that?
2: Yeah, sure, Jim. You know, so I, so I can talk uh, about how it's supposed to work, and then I can talk about how it actually works and, and, and why we have uh, some issues here. Um, so, so a little bit of history, um, going back uh, to the 1990s, um, there was a, a lawsuit from parents of New York City uh, school children that, that they claimed that New York State wasn't providing enough um, school aid for their kids that, you know, it was detrimental to their education. Um, so they sued the state of New York. Um, and, and kind of if you go back to that that time period and kind of how things were done in this state, um, you know, as, as far as school aid, but really as far as a lot of things, um, there was certainly at least the perception that that oftentimes things were politically motivated. Like certain people would get money because they were hooked into power, um, and, and, and I think you could probably uh, make the argument in our our general area that we benefited from this from having leadership um, in, in the state senate for many years. Um, but it was all, it was kind of saying, well, is this really kind of fair? Um so that lawsuit, you know, really challenged New York State, and it took over a decade to really go through the courts. And ultimately, the state Supreme Court said no, New York State was not adequately funding New York City schools. Um, so that that was the judgment. So so now you have to kind of come up with a solution. Um, and And really, to the credit of of uh, the government at the time, is that they, they tried to come up with something that not just addressed New York City but addressed all schools and the idea was to create this formula called the foundation aid formula it, and really the idea was it, it was supposed to be three things it was supposed to be fair simple and predictable and and and, and this really relates to our conversation kind of what, what's playing out right now um, but the idea of fair well how do you make things fair for you know a state as diverse as New York State You've got New York City, or even in New York City, you've got, you know, some of the richest people in the world and some of the greatest poverty. Um, But then, you know, you've got wealthy, you know, areas of, you know, Long Island. You've got wealthy area. You've got uh, places that are uh, land rich, where you think of some of the Adirondack communities where you have, you know, high end homes. But the people there don't have, you know, much. The people that live there don't really have much uh, money. You've got, you know, rural areas, but you've got basically every possible scenario in New York State. And so really to try to address that, the formula can't be simple. So they they failed on their first measure. They had to make it complicated to try to address these things. But but really the basis of the formula was they tried to look at, um, they looked at a weighted student count. So how many kids do you have? And then they gave some extra weightings for students with disabilities. They looked at the need of the students. Um, So for instance, a a student that's uh, an ELL student where they're learning English, it requires more supports they're more expensive uh, a student that's on free and reduced lunch usually uh, poor students require more interventions that kind of a thing um, and so really they tried to they looked at the, the student need they looked at um, those weighted people counts and then they looked at the local ability to pay and to contribute so they looked at things like adjusted gross income of the community and uh, the actual value of the property in the community and they compared it against statewide averages so really, this 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 formula, there's 70 some odd pieces to the foundation aid formula, um, but but basically, it's trying to create a, a level a level playing field to say, okay, here's what the formula says. This is how much aid you should get according to the formula. This is fair. Um, and you know, it took a lot of you know, took a lot, long time to create this. And and I think you could make the argument, you know, obviously fair is a subjective term, but you could say, okay, the formula is at least trying to do it on an equitable basis based on this criteria. Um, in addition, CPI is one of the factors that's included, you know, costs go up every year, so that, that, that's part of the formula. So the problem is they had this formula, which in an ideal world, everyone would, would get paid according to the formula, um, everything would be fair, but the state didn't have enough money. And so they said, okay, we'll we'll put it into effect in a few years. And then the state couldn't afford it because of the great recession. In fact, it got so bad that they actually had to take back even more aid from schools. So what resulted in this time period rather than a formula that would just put the money where it needed to go based on all that criteria is that it went back to the old way of doing things they had politically negotiated tiers where you know a district would fall into a different tier every year and sometimes those tiers maybe were more beneficial i know one year uh, long island got a big increase and they had leadership in the state senate is that a coincidence you know probably not Um, so you saw this kind of disparity from how people were actually being paid versus what the formula said and, and so and really if you think about this state you know one of the the big things we've, we've been hearing in the news is um and what we're seeing it in our local districts uh, is a decline in people right the census says there's, there's less people on the whole the vast majority of districts in the state are losing kids there's less there's less students um, which is you know partly a demographic thing but that, that's what we're seeing so if you have a formula based on weighted pupil counts you know if the, you're gonna have less counts. So so that that's gonna you know maybe lower the amount of aid that a district um, potentially was owed a few years earlier. Um, and then you have this discrepancy between how they've actually been being paid. So this is what's really created the whole harmless where some districts, you, you know if you can't get less than the prior year, then you're going to at least get that and, and most likely probably a little bit more. Um, so we've see that that you know diverge from uh, the formula, which um, you know was great in theory. Um, but people weren't actually being paid on that um so so that's kind of where we have this um right now and and as of last year when the when the when the budget came out um the state had finally they made a big commitment to fund foundation aid and they got everybody at least up to the formula Um, and so we're talking about some really like poor places like you know rochester syracuse buffalo new york city Um, so it cost quite a bit of money to, to 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 get them up to that level and so last year in May, when the budget came out, thirty five percent of the districts were hold harmless. Um, but you know, and the rest were, were just according to the formula. Um, and so what the governor's proposal has has shown here, um, or what she you know she proposes to go into law, is that so she's made two different adjustments. Um, so one is that she makes an adjustment to everybody on hold harmless, but the other thing is that she decreases the CPI, from what the law says, which is the actual CPI, which would be 4.1%, down to a, a, a kind of a made-up number of 2.4%. So she's reducing that number, which means, um, you know, so so one of the effects of that is now it makes there where there were only about 35% of the districts were hold harmless. Now half are hold harmless because you've dropped the line down. Um, and and so sometimes we look at these things and we say, wow, you know. Is the state really in a crisis um something like that to me w- looking at it a little cynically would say well this is a contrivance she's, she's now made it where everybody it's half and half but that's not what the law says um so 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 you know and so now uh in addition to that cpi increase she's proposed a reduction to the whole harmless uh for you know for essentially a, a piece of the difference between what a district's being paid versus what the formula says um, and so th- that's those are really the two provisions. Um, and that's really the one that i think is has more shock districts because it really is more detrimental um, to the districts that would be facing that
1: mike, Thank you. Okay. i was going to just add on a, you know mike you mentioned that in the formula it takes into account districts ability to pay in terms of raising taxes in their communities but now with the tax cap that's somewhat limited too so even if you had a community who would be willing to pay you know you can't you know you can't get there because we've all seen across the since the tax cap was put in anybody who tried to go out over 60 percent the majority of those budgets gets shot down so it's very hard because you need the majority you know super majority to pass those budgets that it makes it harder to even raise the revenue that maybe that you need if you had that ability to pay that option is kind of not even there for you anymore in my opinion
0: That's, that's a good point thank you uh, and that's a great uh, history, too, an explanation of, of where, we, where we've where we been to kind of get us to the point where we're at right now. Um, so now we have another kind of perfect storm piece of the puzzle, right? So we're coming out of the pandemic, and uh, school districts received federal funds, you know, referred to often as the stimulus funds, which have been very, very helpful. And I feel like we've used uh, quite well here at Averill Park, you know, for example they have gone towards funding academic intervention services at the elementary level uh, for our students who are our most struggling learners so we, we've tried to use those funds wisely and we, we think we have but that funding is now running out so it was some of it ran out at the end of last year the rest of it runs out at the end of this year so now you have the foundation aid issue which we've talked about and then we also have the uh, elimination of the federal funds, which, to be fair, we knew was coming, and we were trying to plan for it, but it still doesn't uh, doesn't help the fact that we have been using that money to pay for what we think are very vital positions. Carrie, how do you see the lack of the stimulus funds uh, being an issue? How does that how is that impacting budgets going forward? Um, can you talk a little bit, maybe, about our experience? And Mike, again, if there's anything kind of globally with all the, the stimulus funds ending. yeah,
1: you know, I think we made a concerted effort here to try to avoid the fiscal cliff with the stimulus funds. Uh, we used a, a lot of the money towards non-recurring expenses uh, as opposed to payroll and funding positions that we think we would need over time. However, it was we do have some of those positions, right? There are some that are funded through our stimulus that we think are worthy that we would like to try to move into the budget this year because the stimulus funds are ending. So, um, however, with the uh, cut in foundation aid where it makes it harder just to, to slide those positions to be funded through the general fund. Whereas if we had the, increase in foundation aid then it would make it at least that would offset some of the positions that we want to move over into the budget so it does impact the fiscal cliff because now when people's you know our stimulus money is running out and some of the things that we feel valuable and our students the services our students still need we would like to try to incorporate into the general fund but without any kind of increase in foundation aid it makes it harder to be able to do so which again will then result in loss of program for our students
2: Yeah, and Jim, I I would just add on from a statewide perspective, kind of generally speaking, um, you know, I I think that, you know, the the guidelines when this came out was, you know, these were going to be temporary funds. So, so I think that's, you know, definitely sound judgment, you know, trying to make those one shot purchases and not build it into your operating budget. Um, Although I I know there are a few districts where we've talked to where they have done that, which um, probably isn't going to end up too well for them. Um, But I I think one of the things that, you know, some of the, the supports, you know, that they were encouraging with these funds as far as, you know, learning loss and knowing that, you know, kids were, you know, at home for a year and and just really, you know, realizing that some of these, you know, the mental health and things that, you know, you know affected, you know, young kids because of, you know, just this, just odd historic, you know, experience. I think, you know, what generally what we're hearing, some districts really said, hey, you know, we put in these interventions and it was meant to be temporary, but really it looks like the kids, you know, are benefiting from this. And, and we want to try to encourage, you know, to, to keep this going, um, you know, it's good for kids. So, so I think some cases that, you know, you had the plan, but they say, well, you're kind of adapting, um, you know, and, and trying to, to, you know, do what's best for, for kids. Um, and and so, I, so I think that's, you know, part of the, the, you know, the question kind of on the bigger picture. You know, one other thing I would add, too, is, you know, we think of these, these federal funds being just directly to schools. Um, New York State actually received... Uh, federal ARP funds uh, to, to $10, $10 billion. Um, and, and so so the state has been propping up their budget with the, with these federal monies as well. Um, and I think there was some concern as we were seeing more school aid, you know, saying, well, is it just because the, the state has this federal money um, that they're able to pay schools more? Um, and it really seems like the state has, has really planned pretty well to address this. Um, so I, I don't think you know the, the the concern that all of a sudden the federal money dries up and the state doesn't have the funds. Um, as I said before, you know, it, it largely looks like the state's you know financial picture looks like looks pretty decent. So you know, we're, we're not necessarily you know, whereas in uh, March of 2020, you know, the governor had put his budget out in January, and then it said, "Man, I, who knows what's going to happen here?" State was saying, "We're we're we're you know we're in dire straits." We don't know how much money we're going to have coming in all these people are you know being laid off and um you know really truly a crisis um and you know the state reduced the budget uh due to that and then almost had mid-year cuts because of that you know th- th- that's not really what's going on right now
0: oh, again yeah, it's a great perspective and great history there in terms of where we just were a couple of years ago so i think i mentioned earlier perfect storm just to add another factor to this we're also uh have been told do not expect an on-time budget this year due to some of these things, such as uh, the foundation aid uh, kind of controversy has developed. So we're hearing a lot that districts should consider creating two different budgets leading up to their budget votes. One for a scenario that things remain the same, there's no changes. One for, you know, if the governor and the state legislature change the funding amounts. So not only are we dealing with these for us very significant uh, potential uh, cuts to staff and to program, but now from a timing point of view, the calendar doesn't in a good year necessarily line up all that well, but now if we are not gonna have an on-time budget, that's gonna have a secondary uh, impact on us in terms of being able to inform our community. Thoughts on that and how do you, uh, why do you do it? Should you do it? How do you do it? What will the impact be on sort of a multiple budget uh, perspective or philosophy there? Again, Mike, do you want to talk maybe a little more globally then Carrie can talk a little more from an April Park point of view? Uh,
2: sure, Jim. So by statute, um, New York state is supposed to have finalized a budget by April 1st. Um, and, and really, you know, it's an agreement between the two uh, houses of the legislature and the governor. Um, and, and they used to refer to this process as three men in a room. You know, it's kind of a very secret process. The governor and the two leaders, they meet, they come together with a negotiation, come out of the room and, and it's like first news for everybody. And oftentimes it seems like the legislators themselves. Um, so, you know, that's typically how it is. You know, now we have a, um, this governor, um, unlike her predecessor, um, you know, the prior governor, I think, you know, certainly could uh, uh, receive criticism in many areas, but for schools, he he really uh, uh, focused on an on-time budget, and that being the responsibility of the state. So that that from a school's perspective, um, at least on that piece, um, it was it was you know a priority. Um, under this governor, she was she had a late budget last year, came out in May, um, and, and really prior to, to Governor Cuomo, um, it was a very common occurrence to have late state budgets every year, including some weren't even finalized until August in some years, which is crazy if you're trying to think of a, of a school district planning um and really uh, for those that don't know um you know schools have their budget vote in may uh, the third week of may um but there's a there's legal timelines that you need to meet preceding that um and, and really that pushes back where, where you really need to finalize your budget um really by the 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 um in, the, in this year it'll be that the week of uh, april 22nd districts are going to have to have a final budget so that they can move forward uh, for the may vote um and so really kind of um you know it's weird because usually we don't if it's going to be a late budget, we might hear about it really kind of at the last minute um, and it's weird to hear about it in January that you know that they're saying oh it's going to be late and I said yeah it just started. How can we already be late? Um, but a lot of it looks like it um, it's because of the calendar this year. Um, the Easter holiday falls on March 31st um, and there's a, the, uh, the house is recess prior to that people go back to their home districts um, and so the, the, the legislature is going is scheduled to break after March 28th. Um, so it seems like there's probably a good chance that the budget won't be finalized by April 1st. Um, in addition to that, um, this, the legislature is scheduled to recess um, uh, from April 17th for Passover, um, and then they wouldn't come back till May 6th. So it's a, it's a real, you know, it, uh, unfortunately, it really looks like there's going to be a late budget where last year there was a late budget, um, but there were no aid cuts proposed. So it was just kind of a, okay, it's late, but we pretty much know what's going to happen. This year, where we have eight cuts on the table, um, it, it, it really makes things very uncertain for districts uh, and very challenging. Um, so, so I think that's, you know, it, it's probably a worthwhile pursuit to look at um, uh, some different scenarios for a budget, um, you know, and maybe some different ideas of how to approach it, knowing that you're probably going to get, a, you know, you, you don't want to have to cut programs and then a week later find, oh, we got more money, you know, Oh, uh, sorry. You know, you 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 don't want to have to lay people off and that kind of a thing, um, and and you don't want to uh, impact students. Um, so I think you 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 know you're, you're trying to create different scenarios that that maybe will make you be able to to adapt. Um, you know, if we get a you know late budget and you have to kind of uh, react on your feet, kind of at the last minute. At least you you said here are the different scenarios that could happen. Um, here's the th- here's the way it's least impactful on students. Yeah. Well, I think to that
1: point, that's pretty much what we're doing here at Avril Park, right? So right now I actually have four different scenarios going. One is with the governor's budget cuts, one is Flat foundation aid one is a two percent increase which we've seen before and one's a three percent increase so we're running three different types of scenarios um because we're not sure where it's going to go um it'll be helpful once we start hearing a little bit from the legislative side in terms of you know we know that they've come out and said that they're not supporting the governor's budget in terms of the state the school aid cuts so that's helpful but it doesn't i don't we don't know yet to what degree so right is it just like oh just make them all hold harmless and keep them flat or give them hold harmless and then give them a little bit more so that's kind of the piece I think we're we're waiting on to see just where we might fall out in terms of discussions. Um, When I first started, I lived through some of those budgets where they didn't pass until August. So I know that feeling and it's not easy. Um, So I'm hoping that we get a little inkling in terms of where this might settle out a little bit sooner even if the budget is a little bit late in May. Um, Like you said, Mike, last year it was easy. We were at home harm is 3%. There was never talks of us going below 3%. So that's what we went with, um, which was an easy decision to make. But this year um, it's not as easy because we just don't know.
0: Great, thank you. That kind of I think sums it up in terms of where we are again, here and then kind of a, a little bigger perspective. Uh, I, I really appreciate the two you take some time. I, I know um, things are very busy right now, and I can only speak really for for Carrie here in Avril Park and Mike. I can't imagine uh, all the stuff you got going on. The district is vying for your time, so we appreciate you taking a few moments with us. It's actually been really informative and really helpful as we uh, head into some uncertain times and we navigate our way through it. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. See you next time on Every Student, Every Day.